You're listening to Healing Our Masculinity Podcast with me, Scott Carter. I'm the man that strives to exemplify healthy, strong masculinity for myself, while also having a background as a mental health practitioner. I'm inviting you to join me here on my podcast while we have some of the challenging yet necessary conversations about men and masculinity so that together we can heal the masculine. All right, brothers, welcome back to the next installment of Healing Our Masculine Podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about your head, I'm going to talk about your brain, I'm going to talk about your melon. Before I dive into all of this, I want to provide a little bit of a disclaimer. This is not medical advice. What I provide here is really just for educational purposes only. Your individual situation is between you and whatever professionals or whomever that you personally trust or or have had good experiences with. I'm simply here to kind of share some of my experiences as a practitioner in regards to men, their mental health, and uh, their tendency to have brain injuries, head injuries, and how that kind of affects their cognition, it affects their mood, it affects their judgment, and it affects a lot of things. And traumatic brain injuries, or a TBI, that's what I'm going to refer to most here, is, is what we call in the business, in the mental health uh, industry, uh, a TBI, or a traumatic brain injury. Um, <clears throat> what I'm going to talk about TBIs in the context of how, again, that is going to affect your judgment, your mental functioning, your cognitive functioning, and uh, your emotional functioning. Um, <clears throat> and frankly, I find that this particular issue is a lot more common than probably most people think. It's it's not visited enough. It's not looked at enough. It's not given enough credit. Uh, it's it's not important enough when really it can play a factor in uh, your mental health. Like if you struggle to make good decisions, if you struggle to uh, control your temper, uh, if you're just really emotional, um, if you have a hard time thinking things through, if you have a hard time looking at consequences of your actions and you've had a major hit to the head, then it can really play a factor. It can be really important to look at. So men and males in general have a tendency to have a much, much, much higher occurrence of head injuries and TBIs than females. And I I think that's for fairly obvious reasons. Um, Men tend to engage in riskier behavior. They tend to take bigger risks. Uh, They tend to do more dangerous things. They tend to play uh, high-impact sports. They're more likely to play things like football. They're more likely to uh, get involved with martial arts or fighting or MMA or, or various other things that can cause head injuries. In fact, it's relatively common for males to report to me that at some point in their life, they have taken a massive hit to the head. Um, they've been knocked out even. Uh, they, you know, they hit their head so hard that they were knocked out for a time. Or, or and or or diagnosed with a concussion. Now, what's what I find with concussions too is it seems like those who have had a concussion or or a bad concussion, they're for some reason that I don't entirely understand. For some reason, they just seem to be more prone towards getting more an additional like additional concussions. 
Um, I worked with one youngster a few years ago um, at a very young age. He got a nasty concussion playing football, really nasty. Um, it um, honestly, it damaged his brain. Uh, he had to drop out of school because he could not function in school. He couldn't concentrate. He couldn't complete tasks. Um, he couldn't control his uh, emotions. His emotions were out of control. He was showing some paranoia. Um, he had a lot of stuff going on that was obviously rooted in this nasty concussion. It changed his life. He was only like 14, 15 years old when he uh, acquired this or got this nasty concussion and just completely changed his life. It kind of changed his personality. And from then on, he was just prone to, to hit his head. Like he would kind of just uh, crash into bed and hit his head really hard on the wall when he's falling into bed. Um, you know, I've heard this type of thing uh, often, uh, pretty frequently from uh, guys that, you know, they might have uh, gotten a really nasty concussion while skateboarding, like wrecked their skateboard and continue to get more concussions year after year. And over time, this can have a fairly detrimental effect to your brain. And if you're not familiar with CTE, CTE stands for chronic traumatic encephalopathy, something like that. Um, it's a basically advanced case of brain damage uh, that happens from your head getting impacts. Now, we see this primarily like in American football, right? You have these big guys wearing helmets they're always hitting their helmets on things they're always hitting their heads on things and uh, cte is uh, a big big significant issue in football um and when you really kind of see how bad it is or understand how bad it is like in my case i just don't watch football anymore i have a hard time supporting this sport um, knowing that they know that this causes such uh, significant traumatic brain injuries to players and and they continue to uh, just punch the gas anyways, right? And we, I know that we see the NFL and football in general trying to make rules to help protect players, but I don't know that it's doing any really good. I don't know that it's honestly doing any good at all. Um, <clears throat> I know that several years ago they tested 111 uh, NFL players for CTE, and out of those 111 players, 110 of them uh, tested positive for CTE after having a brain scan. And um, some notable names in football, Aaron Hernandez, for example, who was convicted of murder and later committed suicide in prison, uh, had CTE. Um, he had it. He had severe advanced CTE. Uh, Junior Seau, uh, he's another name. Now, Junior was a football player back. He was, uh, he's kind of back in the day. Um but uh, he's kind of a, I believe he was a Hall of Famer uh, linebacker uh, in the NFL, and he committed suicide. He shot himself in the chest, uh, and it, it appeared to be, um, though it's nobody know, nobody seems to know for sure, that he, he shot himself in the chest because he wanted to preserve his brain, uh, so that his brain could be studied. And yes, he did have he did have CTE. And if you've, you can Google this, you can look at brain scans of CTE compared to a normal brain and you you're, you're kind of like oh damn <laughs> right like it can cause like fairly significant brain damage and um you know and I I mean I, I have a good friend a good personal friend he refuses to support football because of how bad the, the brain damage is for these players right and <clears throat> even he has a son kid's 13 and he basically told his son he's like look you can do anything pretty much i will support you in doing anything except for football 
uh, because he knows how bad it can be, right? But it's really important for us to talk about men and their, their mental health and their tendency to get head injuries and how that affects their mental health and how that affects their well-being. Um, and a significantly large uh, number of males have had some sort of head injury at some point or, and have a TBI. Uh, you know, my father uh, definitely had a uh, TBI. Um, it wouldn't surprise me even if he had some CTE going, um, some fairly significant brain damage because of how many hits that he took to his head over the years. My dad even one time was in a car accident where the, like it was in, in one of those old cars where the hood was made out of like steel and the hoods would open like on the, on the end of the windshield instead of like in the front. And so when the front was crumpled, the, that steel hood of the car came through the windshield and hit him like in the head. Uh, that was one thing that had happened to him. But my dad also, you know, uh, showed all the signs of a man who had a who had a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. And I didn't know this; I didn't realize this or understand this well into my career as a therapist. That this is a thing; that traumatic brain injuries are a thing, and that there are like specific symptomology and specific behaviors and uh, significant issues with mood and all of that uh, associated with someone who has a TBI. And I just remember thinking, like, holy shit, man. <laughs> That's my dad. <laughs> like the the anger problems, the childishness, the bad judgment, um, just the mood issues, the unpredictability, the short fuses, the yeah, and just the aggression. Uh, men with TBIs they they tend to be more aggressive. Um, it seems as though a lot of them can have a diminished or decreased sense of empathy and really they seem to kind of lack insight about how or how their behaviors uh, affect others um, they, they don't seem to have a whole lot of awareness around this like how do their actions affect other people and that was definitely kind of my dad he didn't he didn't really think about it um, he had all of these going on I'm, I'm thoroughly convinced that my dad had a TBI but he was also a baby boomer right they didn't care about this stuff they didn't think about it um, brain damage, that wasn't necessarily a thing that they cared that much about or looked into. And, and besides their technology to look at brains through like a PET scan or a CAT scan was limited, right? Uh, their ability to examine the brain while it was still in the skull was limited. Um, and <clears throat> they couldn't image the brain back then like they could now. Because when, when they image brains of, of people who have had chronic concussions, it's like, oh, wow. Like, you know, these big giant golf ball holes of dead tissue uh, in their brains. Or, or a brain that's just smaller, it's just deteriorated. You can tell that it's damaged. I mean, again, a quick internet search will, will, will kind of show you what this looks like. And so if you, as a man, uh, <clears throat> have had concussions or you've had brain injuries, you've had head, head injuries, or you've ever been knocked out, Try to keep in mind and maybe notice and, and take note on whether or not you feel like you're you're prone to making bad decisions, uh, you're prone to have anger problems, you're you're prone to have a short fuse, uh, you're prone to just get frustrated with, at things quickly rather than being able to think them through, um, and and maybe take into account like maybe maybe you've got a TBI. Personally, I'm extremely fortunate. I've never had a concussion.
Uh, and I've obviously, I've never been knocked out. I've never hit my head hard enough to knock me out. And I've never, I've never hit my head hard enough to be diagnosed, right, with a concussion. Um, the, the worst I ever had was I wrecked my bike a few years ago. It was a pretty gnarly wreck. Um, I was wearing a helmet and the doctor almost convinced me that I had hit my head, but they did a CT scan. They did a CAT scan and my brain was fine. My head was fine. There was no evidence of a concussion. <laughs> and um, I was almost a little mad at that doctor. It's like, bro, I just don't convince me that I've hit my head because he's sitting there. You sure? You sure? You sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> and like, well, now I doubt myself. So let's have a look, right? Fortunately, I had insurance, right? $1,200 later. Um, uh, so I'm personally really fortunate in this way that I've, I've never, uh, knock on wood, uh, been knocked out and I've never had a concussion, uh, up until this point anyways. Um, and so hopefully it stays that way. So try to keep in mind that as men, we have a tendency to, to injure our brains. Um, I tend to think too, uh, like one of the, one of the, the men these days that's getting a lot of attention in terms of like masculinity is Andrew Tate. Now, um, man, talk about a mixed bag with that dude. Um, I'm, I'm not going to say whether I like him or dislike him because I've, I feel neither. I don't think that much about him, but it's my understanding that, uh, Andrew Tate was a professional fighter at once and professional fighters are going to take a lot of hits to the head. And, and honestly, this dude may have some brain damage. He might. I, I've heard him talk about how stupid it is to read. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, sorry, bro. Uh, don't agree with you on that one. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, if you've just, – just take this into consideration, right? Is, is any parts of your mental health um, been compromised by a head injury? Now, what to do about it, okay? Now, here's the thing is I have actually sent uh, a few individuals that I saw in therapy to a neurologist to have their, um, to, to be examined for a brain injury or for a, a TBI, a traumatic brain injury. Uh, to my surprise, your regular run-of-the-mill neurologist doesn't seem to care about that or know much about that. Um, and that surprised the heck out of me. Um, cause it's like, if you guys don't know about TBIs, then who does, uh, turns out, uh, at least around here, around these parts, you're going to want to talk to a neuropsychologist or a neuropsychiatrist. Uh, the difference being is that a neuropsychologist has uh, a PhD where a neuropsychologist or psychiatrist is a medical doctor. Um, whereas, uh, these neuropsychiatrists can actually administer more in-depth tests, prescribed medication, and the like. Uh, it turns out that just going to a regular run-of-the-mill neurologist may not yield a whole lot of information. Um, they tend to be like, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? What are you asking about? But neurologists don't seem to be terribly concerned. It's, not, it's just not their department to look at uh, the effects of a brain injury on an individual's mental health and, be, and or behavior. So you have to go to a neuropsychologist or a neuropsychiatrist. Now, be warned, finding one can be tricky. Uh, there's not very many of them. And if you do find one uh, anywhere close to you, you can be prepared to get on a long, 
like be, be prepared to wait. Um, it can take you at least around here six to nine months minimum uh, to get into to see one. Um, that's how few there are. That's how high demand they are. Um, but again, this is not medical advice. If you want to go see a neurologist, if you feel like you need to see a neurologist, um, go ahead. Don't be surprised if they come back and they go, I don't know why you're here. I don't know what you're asking me. I don't know what you want from me. Because again, it seems like apparently you can't ask a neurologist to help give you an assessment on your brain health in regards to your mental health or behavior. Uh, <clears throat> all of that being said, um, I will say just in regards to what I know about helping one's brain. Okay, obviously you want to avoid additional injuries to your brain, um, and uh, that's obviously a bad idea. You want to avoid additional head injuries. Okay, um, there. I also I've I've done enough research on this, and I've I've taken. I've taken my own steps for, for my own health and my own well-being in regards to looking at all of this. Um, uh, so one thing that I know of is uh, there's some research coming out about lion's mane mushrooms. Uh, lion's mane is basically a medicinal slash culinary mushroom. Um, I actually think it's pretty tasty. I think uh, it's a good, tasty mushroom. Um, I know a lot of people don't like eating mushrooms where it's just like the texture and the mushiness. And lion's mane is kind of different. It more so has a consistency of like crab, even kind of tastes a little bit like crab, especially if you kind of saute it in some butter. Um, I also, you can buy it in a powder form and use it as a supplement. You can buy it in pill form. Um, uh, I also drink that uh, mud water. Uh, that kind of expensive coffee substitute that's made with mushrooms and has lion's mane in it. And lion's mane uh, has been shown in studies to improve co cognitive functioning, uh, to help clear the junk out of the brain. And I believe, don't quote me on this, but reinforces the myelin sheath. The myelin sheath, if you don't know, it's basically this casing that is on your the, the neurons in your brain. Uh, that makes sure that your neurons are functioning properly. If the if the myelin sheath in your on your neurons deteriorate, then you're going to be in a really really bad way. It can lead to a number of issues. I believe most notably uh, is multiple sclerosis. Uh, nerves, your your neurons and your nerves are no longer able to really transmit or communicate um, effectively if the myelin sheath deteriorates. Um, and so from what I've heard, uh, from what I understand, I could be wrong. I should probably do a little bit of research on this. In fact, let me, let me Google it real quick here. Uh, so it doesn't appear as though lion's mane necessarily repairs the myelin sheath on your neurons. I think um, uh, there may be some benefits uh, to that. Uh, I think the jury might still be out a little bit. I don't want to say whether or not it really helps, but I do know that lion's mane has been associated with improving your neurological health and is, is just good for the brain. Um, so lion's mane mushroom is, is one of those uh, that uh, can help with brain health. Uh, <clears throat> so and something else that I believe can help uh, a damaged brain is something like ketamine. Now ketamine is basically a psychedelic uh, chemical that has been approved by the FDA here in the United States for the for various uses um, in terms of chronic illness or chronic certain chronic mental health issues, uh, specifically, right? Like uh, major depress major depression or treatment resistant depression um, is can be effectively treated 
uh, by ketamine. What I can tell you about ketamine is it has been shown to stimulate the brain and nerve cells uh, for what is called neurogenesis, which basically means that uh, your nerve cells, um, your neurons will generate uh, new uh, what's called dendrites, if you're not familiar with, with brain anatomy or uh, neuroanatomy, uh, <clears throat> will stimulate your, your nerve cells to create more dendrites, uh, which are basically uh, little ends or like the little nubs on your neurons that will allow for new neural connections, uh, neural synaptic connections in your brain. In other words, it improves your brain's functioning. It gets more of your brain moving. It gets more brain activity going. And that's what we want. That's a good thing. Um, I believe other psychedelics have been shown to do this as well. Uh, but uh, I'm going to hold off on that for now uh, just because I know that... Uh, I mean, psychedelics are uh, illegal in some areas and illegal in others, and that's sort of on you. Um, but I believe it has been shown in certain studies that different psychedelic substances can stimulate uh, neurogenesis in the brain. In other words, really just helping to create new neural synapse endings um, in your brain. So again, this isn't medical advice. I'm not saying that ketamine, for example, is going to fix your brain. Could it help? Potentially. Potentially. Um, there's still a lot, a lot of uh, clinical um, <clears throat> research that needs to be done with things like ketamine. But it can potentially help. Uh, one thing that I found too, or one thing that I know that can help, is what's called biofeedback. Um, there's also neurofeedback. Uh, these are two different things, uh, two different methods on treating uh, different uh, things with the brain. Um, I know that biofeedback has been used in positive ways uh, to help brain injury. People that have brain injuries, people that have um, uh, concussions. <clears throat> here in my local area, there's a clinic not too far from here that specializes in doing biofeedback. Um, to specifically help those who have had concussions. Now, I know that there is a uh, kind of an underground biofeedback world where, I don't know, people will want you to hold a pendulum or something in your body. It will supposedly tell you whether or not you need that particular substance or something. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, I neither condone or condemn that type of thing. I, I have no idea. I, I've never used it. I, I have no idea if there's anything to it or not. Uh, but, uh, in terms of biofeedback, that's what I'm, what I'm referring to is like, uh, specific exercises where let's say that you have to take these rings and you have to place them on different endings of different pipes, right? Um, and kind of threading needles, so to speak. I'm doing these exercises over and over and over again to kind of stimulate, uh, your brain to adapt and, and to grow and to, uh, basically make those changes. What we want to do is... Uh, <clears throat> use biofeedback and uh, also uh, helping with the brain's tendency to be plastic and utilize this thing called neuroplasticity in which your brain can adapt when it's forced to. So the type of neurofeedback that I'm talking about is a type of uh, these exercises where you're doing just these physical tasks with your hands and your arms or whatever and your eyes needing to use your brain so that it kind of forces your brain to adapt and um, kind of create uh, new, like to be plastic and to adapt 
uh, to new tasks in a, in, like, in an effective, appropriate way. I know that can help. Neurofeedback is a little bit different, but it can also help. Uh, neurofeedback is basically where they um, hook your... Uh, they hook a device up to your skull where they can read your brain waves. And, uh, and so you look at a screen, and by using different methods of concentration, you're basically playing a video game with your brain where the game advances um, on the screen if you're able to maintain a certain uh, brain wave uh, pattern. Um, though that type of thing can be effective too. I did a paper on neurofeedback in graduate school. Um, I was kind of surprised at the time to learn that it has proven to be effective to help a number of issues, but is very, very uh, commonly not used here in the United States. It's not approved by insurance, and it seems as though that um, it's one of those things that they'd rather have you taking medication for the rest of your life than do neurofeedback and actually get a cure for something and fix your brain through that method but i'll just leave that there you can do with it with what you will um i i mean i've i've worked in the medical industry and i know that it is a for-profit industry 100 percent. it is 100 percent a for-profit industry um so those are some of my thoughts on just based on what i know um what can help um kind of reverse some of the effects of of a brain injury i also highly recommend like meditation i think meditation is is a very very positive thing i realize that those that have a brain injury or are struggling to function cognitively or function um, emotionally are probably going to find meditation to be a struggle and it's supposed to be. You're, and uh, you're not honestly going to be able to improve your brain functioning on your own without it being kind of a struggle, without it being kind of a slog. Uh, personally, I think meditation is great. I love meditation. It's great for the brain. Uh, <clears throat> it's great for mental health. Down the road, I will probably find myself doing some episodes, or at least one or two episodes on uh, meditation, the benefits of meditation, how to meditate, intro to meditation, meditation for beginners, that type of stuff. Um, I, I could see being something down the road. For the time being, guys, it's just really important to take care of your melon. Like taking care of your head, taking good care of your brain. Try to avoid things that would cause a brain injury. They're, uh, it can be pretty significant and pretty impactful uh, but it's also one of those things that I think we need to take into account when we consider the collective mental health of, of men and males in general. Uh, we're putting, in, putting them into things and putting them into situations uh, without maybe kind of giving them some proper guidelines on, hey, you got to take care of your brain. And it can cause a lot of complications and a lot of challenges going forward. I think uh, we can see a lot uh, more aggression from males if they are... Uh, if they have struggled with, or they've had a brain injury. And so this is just something to take into account. As you, as you sort of take a little bit of an inventory of your life and yourself and your mental health and you're uh, trying to figure out what, what needs to be taken into account, what needs to be factored in, um, uh, look at your, your head health, your brain health. Uh, and uh, whether or not you've had a head injury, okay? So I think that's going to do it for this one. Um, This is just, again, this is just one of those things that is important for us to factor in 
when it comes to men and their mental health. So thank you for listening. I hope this was uh, informative. I hope it was helpful. Uh, Be sure to uh, follow the podcast, share the podcast and all that. Um, I'm excited for this new project. So thanks again for listening. Take care of yourselves and each other. We'll see you in the next one.